LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen with you here this Sunday morning. Coming up at six in conversation. This week I'm joined by LBC's newest presenter, Larry Lamb. who will be telling us how pleased he is to be working on London's biggest conversation. And actress Jane Milligan, who talks about being Spike Milligan's little girl. But first, we have my best bits from the week. But this week, somebody gave me some pictures of a house on sale for £18 million. I know about this one because I've looked at it. This is uh, Tyringham Hall, built by Sir John Soane. And I was laughing. Oh, you remember that house I told you in Richmond that I'd looked at that was £18.5 million? They've dropped the price. How much do you reckon it is now? £14.5 million. Now, that's a £3.5 million drop. Because it was obviously too over... That's some drop, is it? It's not like going and asking for a discount. 14 and a half... I reckon I'm getting down to about 10. I reckon I'd get 10 if I won the lottery. And I've got some uh, some emails to check, so I don't know if anybody's actually claimed the money yet. But that, that would be top of my wish list. I would want to buy this house. But then I did look at this other one, which is Tyringham Hall, built by Sir John Soane. It's a grade one listed mansion. This has been owned by an interior designer. And it's beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful. Uh, it's recently undergone a multi-million pound overhaul. It's got... It's, I mean, it's beautiful. I cannot tell you how beautiful it is. It's got um, a neoclassical villa, four vast reception rooms, kitchen, breakfast room, study, spa, game, cinema room and gym, uh, stable house, which provides secondary accommodation. How many... How many bedrooms do you think it's got? How many bedrooms? Come on. How many bedrooms do you think this has got? 25 bedrooms. What in God's name would you do with 20? It's got 35 bathrooms. You imagine how many bottles of Jif you'd need just to get round that lot. I mean, this place is a... It's a hotel. And it's on the, on the market for 18 million. It was... Um, it was Eventually, it was a maternity home. Uh, it's been bought by the Australian New Zealand Bank as a weekend club. It's been all sorts of things. Whatever it is, though, it's gorgeous. But you could never do it. What would you do with 35 bathrooms? People could be living in them. You'd never even see them. You'd never even see them, would you? Uh, so I did watch the British Soap Awards. That was quite good. Philip Schofield hosting. He's not on television enough, you know. I don't care what anybody says. That boy's hardly getting any work at all. It's ridiculous. Goodness sake, honestly. Get some uh, get some, some more jobs for Philip Schofield, please. Nice to see them all on there. Some looking gracious. Some I'm not looking so gracious at the awards. And then we had Eurovision Song Contest. We liked that. People keep saying to me, had Bonnie Tyler had a drink? I said, it's highly likely. <laughs> I should imagine. Probably. She said she thought she did her best. You know, which wasn't, wasn't quite good enough because we didn't do very well. Mind you, not half as bad as Ireland. They did terribly, didn't they? Didn't they come last or something? I didn't, I didn't think that that was, that, was a, that was a going concern, I'm afraid. I loved the winning song. thought the winning song was very good, very catchy. But then I was, the moment I watch Eurovision, I go into this strange ethereal world only known to Steve Allen, where I have to go to YouTube and type in previous winning entries. And one of them was Serbia from a few years ago. And that was like, again, they've got these pan pipes which they use there. It's obviously a winning combination with drummers, and I thought, I thought it was really good, actually. And then I typed in Lordy, who did Hard Rock Hallelujah. Remember that one, where they had that freaky band on? I like that as well. I thought it was great. Uh, Rod Stewart, at 68, has got his first number one in 34 years. Good grief. Well done. Taking a long while. 34 years you've got to wait, and he gets a number one at the age of 68. Probably thinking to himself, you know, I'm never, ever going to happen again. I feel immensely sorry for... um, This is uh, Alexandra Hollywood, 
She is the ditched wife of that nasty little piece of work. Paul Hollywood, who, you know, nobody knew who he was. He starts doing this bake-off thing, he starts getting famous, and immediately he's ditched the wife, and he's ditched her for somebody called uh, Marcella uh, Vatadolid. Apparently she's got a, a business empire and all the rest of it. You know, there's nothing as foolish as old men who, you know, ditch a wife after 15 years because they see somebody, you know, a bit bright around the corner. That's the danger. That is the danger that is out there. So I'm afraid... Sorry, Mr Hollywood, but you've let us all down very badly. I know if your marriage wasn't going so well, that's your business. But to, to be honest with you, I just thought it was a bit a bit of a cheap shot. A bit of a cheap shot. Uh, also, the papers today... Oh, we had pictures the other day, didn't we, of David Beckham crying as he was taken off after 80 minutes. And the, the bloke there said, oh, I don't think, uh, I don't think he'd, he'll, he'll be playing again. And then all the team clapped him and all the rest of it. Very emotional time for little David. Uh, in America, a single ticket has won £384 million. £175 million to one with the odds. Now, I have to tell you, in America, even though... It's 384 million. You don't get 384 million. What, the, what they do is they either pay you so much per year or you get a lump sum, which is way below this. You never, ever will pick up 380. How much? Tax. Yeah, it goes in tax, doesn't it? So, in other words, 384 million will, will probably come down to, I don't know, actually, three, about two, 200 million. I could live with 200 million. I could, but, I mean, but you lose loads of it. It's like on the American X Factor. Did you know this? Check the contract at the end of the programme. They win a million dollars or whatever it is, payable over so many years. They don't cough up straight away. So 384 million, so far nobody's come forward. Probably too embarrassed, probably had a heart attack and died at home or something like that. Uh, there was also the other story in the paper, which annoyed me, actually. There was a story... Oh, actually, if you're over 55, you can smile today. No reason for it, you could just smile. Go on, just, just look in the mirror and go, yee, like that. Makes you feel a bit better about life, doesn't it? I did also cut a story out, which I was going to use on the free podcast. And it's another one of these silly people in the papers. This one's called Le- Laura Fernie. And uh, she's what she's done... Who was that stupid woman who appeared in the papers and said she was too beautiful, other women despised her? And then she pitched up on Samantha Brick, thick as, as they say. And, and she was there saying... And, of course, she made a sort of a little miniature career out of it by being just particularly stupid. And there's this one here. Laura Fernie says her good looks are so powerful they're ruining her life and have forced her to quit her job. I'm sorry, love, you must be looking in a different mirror from the one I'm looking at. You really think that you're too pretty to take a job. She's hounded, she says, by sex pests and jealous females. Well, you've made yourself out to be the biggest bimbo under the sun. What on earth is the matter with you? Why on earth would... She says men left romantic gifts, gifts on her desk and she was constantly asked out, which she found sleazy. Oh, God, you boring old windbag. So here she is. So far too pretty to take a job. Far too pretty. But uh, she does go to the gym. She spends £1,000 a month on socialising. And um, her, her parents... Catherine and Alan inherited money from Laura's grandfather and now pay £2,000 a month in rent and bills for her flat in Notting Hill, London, as well as picking up her credit card payments. Oh, she sounds like a right spoilt little madam, doesn't she? And this woman here, she's 33! And she can't stand on her own two feet. They also shell out 1500 quid a month for her designer clothes. Well, you're obviously not buying very many outfits, dear. Perhaps you haven't bought designer recently. And uh, £700 a month on haircuts... 
And uh, then she spends £80 a week and £1,000 a month on socialising. She said her critics were underestimating just what a curse good looks can be in the workplace. Oh, dear, little misattention seeking here. Very dreary, very dull. Only £2,000 a month in Notting Hill. Must have a really pokey little place, love. Perhaps your parents can't afford very much for you. Perhaps if you spent less time worrying about what other people thought of you and actually went out there, perhaps, you know, you might actually see the, the wood through the trees, which you're currently looking at at the moment. Uh, with 140 million, says Phil, you could buy a lot of hanging baskets. Yes. Uh, David says, I think why Philip Schofield is so popular is white hair. Um, yes, it's very thin, though, his hair, isn't it? Poor Phil, Phil's hair has gone a little bit, a little bit thin, but it makes him stand out. You know what, what everybody notices when you see Philip Schofield for the first time? How tiny he is. You think he's tall, but he's, it's very deceiving television, very deceiving. You think people are much bigger than they are, but he's not. He's actually, he's a Polly Pocket. He's a Polly Pocket out there, little Polly Pocket. Uh, front page of The, uh, The Sun is, uh, Alex Ferguson stunning Man United stars by giving them a final order, don't ever call me boss again. Was it the wife he said he quit for? He said, spend more time with the wife, but she's thrilled. Oh, he's coming home. Oh, God, perhaps he'll start throwing things at me. And Michelle tells all, he's not my Mr. Wright. And this, of course, refers to uh, Mark Wright, who was with uh, Michelle. Mark, who isn't in a soap, but accompanied her. And uh, he's had some new strange sort of haircut. I always thought it was last of the Mohicans. And there's a picture of him. He still looks a bit geeky with a suit that doesn't fit properly. But she says she's not moving in with her fella any time soon. She chose a cosy date with Mark Wright over partying with her uh, Corrie co-stars. Asked if she'd moved down south. She said, I've got no plans. I've got a year to go on Corrie. And when I leave, I'll be concentrating on my acting. How wise. How wise to realise that it's just, it's just a bit of cheap publicity, dear, isn't it? Come on, at the end of the day. I mean, he needs to get himself a job as quick as possible. I don't know what he's doing at the moment. Uh, also, ex-Corrie actor Ian de Castecca has swapped the Rovers for Ryan. He played Adam Barlow in the ITV show. Is now starring in uh, Hollywood hunk Ryan Gosling's directorial debut. Lovely. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Brentwood to Hollywood. Who's this? This is uh, Lucy Mecklenburg. People did ask the other day, I'm ever so sorry, uh, about, about Lucy Mecklenburg. They did say, what was she doing in Cannes? And I said she's probably got a job waiting on tables or something, because her other career's dried up completely. She's supposed to be a model, but I don't know how many jobs she gets in the course of the year, but I shouldn't imagine it's very many. So she's gone to Cannes to launch a career in the movies. Presumably it's going back to Ollie Mann's conversation of porno, isn't it? I'm assuming. Because you don't go to Cannes and, you know, and somebody goes, oh, listen, look, we'll give you a job in the movie. She's got no acting experience at all. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. And so she's, um, she's been invited to uh, south of France after being invited to the event by a Los Angeles-based director. I bet she has. I bet she has. <laughs> Apparently she had a formal meeting with her. He did. Uh, his producer and a stylist over lunch at the Carlton in Cannes. And she was doing a photo shoot on the French Riviera. Uh, the director is believed to be Will Holman. He's worked with Will Smith and is casting his horror film, The Room. Oh, good. So she won't be made to look at all interesting. Apparently, Lucy's keeping tight lips yeah, because there is no work. There is no work, darling. You know, it's a case of if you're dumb enough to go to Cannes with a director from Los Angeles who goes, listen, come, you'll be nice to me. I give you part in my movie. It's fantastic. It's a horror movie. Very big star. I'm a big star. Make you a big star. She can't, she can't even speak, let alone act. I mean, we've seen her on The Only Way's Essex. That's testing for the poor girl. 
It's, she can cry. She does crying very, very good. But uh, anyway, uh, she's apparently going from strength to strength after ditching uh, Mario Falcone. And she says, sometimes dreams do come true. Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Not for you, Poppet. Not for you. It's really, I mean, you know, you have no acting experience at all. You don't go over to Cannes, do you? And and start wandering about with a, a producer that, you know, is over from Los Angeles. Why on earth would he be remotely interested in you, dear? If he's seen The Only Way is Essex, I mean, you're acting. I mean, unless you're acting, I don't know. You might be acting in The Only Way is Essex, in which case I've probably got it all wrong. I think it's unlikely I've got it wrong. As you know, I'm always right. We'll have a quick break here. When we come back, we lament the arrival of not one, but two The Only Way is Essex girls in Cannes. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Tuesday, the papers were full of just one person. He's been pulled apart in every newspaper, every reviewer. This man gets more stupid by the day. And it's him and his camera-loving girlfriend. And she so loves the camera. She is so gorgeous and so lucky to be with so so naff Peter, who everything is a bit of excitement. As somebody said in the paper today, we don't need David Attenborough, we've got Peter Andre. Elephants, awesome man. That's what he says. He's over 40. Who says awesome man unless you're a throwback from the 70s? Nobody says that. I don't know anybody who says man. Somebody tried it in The Apprentice. And Lord Sugar went, it's Lord Sugar to this dimbo. Oh, did you see one of the girls has been exposed? Used to run sex parties. Proving to me all the time that most of the people on there are a bit fraudulent. They're all a little bit desperate, I'm afraid. Ark Royal. Sad, 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 sad. It's going to a Turkish shipyard. It's going to be turned into tin cans. Is that sad? You thought they could have actually come up with some memorabilia thing. How much do we sell it for? 2.9 million. What did it cost? God knows. All those people who who served on Ark Royal went down there to watch her be towed out. She's gone to the same place that another ship went to, and um, the deck has been stripped bare. The hull was streaked with years, uh, years of rust and uh, neglect. Can they turn it into, like, a floating, you know, place where people can live? You know, I couldn't think of the word, actually, there, because they get flats complex or something. And so we have to send it away, and we've only got 2.9 million for it. So she'll be broken up, and she'll be made out as razor blades. I'd quite like to see a razor blade coming onto the market with made-from-metal from the Ark Royal. Wouldn't you like to see that? I'd like to see that. That would make me happy. Or a tin can, you know, open a tin of beans, and on the inside of the lift... Inside the lift? <laughs> How big is the tin? And, and you open it up, and it says, made-from-metal, recycled from the Ark Royal. Wouldn't you like that? I'd like that. I'd like that. But anyway, 2.9 million, and she used to carry 22 aircraft. I've only ever once been on an aircraft carrier, and I can't remember... I can't remember when it was. I think it might have been in Hong Kong or something like that. But I remember thinking, wow. And there's a picture of me in, in a tornado jet. Picture in a tornado. Me. <laughs> 37 plus VAT. Um, 84850, steve at uk. These women who hid their shopping addiction from their husbands nearly wrecked their marriages. And so they're, they're in the paper today. And so when the husband says, where'd you get that from? They go, I've had it for years. 
People go, ah, right, okay. There was another woman in the paper today. Why did I pick out this woman? And there's a reason for it. I pick every so often. You get somebody who I, I deem as terminally stupid, and uh, and the papers the other day, or I might have been in one of them today. I might have to find it a little bit later on. She spends um, she spends money on clothes for her son. She's separated. She's apparently a model. You're never too sure what sort of model, because I've never heard... You know, models don't mean anything to me at all. And uh, she spent thousands and thousands on her son. She said, why shouldn't I? Although he's not particularly bothered. So it's a case of another one of these women. We've seen them on the television where they, they dress the children up in designer clothes because they think that people... People think it's terribly clever. So they buy them little Prada jackets and stuff like that. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, you've got to be a certain person to be able to wear it. If I saw somebody wearing Burberry, I would think, chav. I can't help it. It was it was belittled by uh, Danielle. Uh, was it Danielle? Can't remember. Some, one of the one of the girls from EastEnders, and uh, and she wore Burberry and cheapened it. So they had to try and elevate it back again. But I still can't look at Burberry without thinking it's a bit chav. It's a bit copied. It's a bit market. And so when you see somebody, if I see somebody with Prada or Chloe sunglasses in a market, I know they're fake. Because people who go to markets don't, can't afford that kind of stuff, so they buy the fakes. And this particular woman was buying clothes for her girl, but they were so chavvy, both of them. They just looked chavvy. You know, you'd never know that it was genuine. You see people walk around the market in Ugg boots, 90% fake. Because the fakes are so good now that you can buy them anywhere. Oh, guess who's over in, uh, in Cannes? Brian Ferry has pitched up, and he's gone over with his uh, sons. That's Isaac and Tara. How unfortunate for poor Tara, who's over there, who's a boy, incidentally, just in case. Of course, the other one named after the lift company, Otis. They're all slightly cracked, I'm afraid, but there you go. It's the best you can manage from uh, from Brian. Oh, here's to you. No, oh, sorry. Who else is in Cannes? Who else in Cannes? Do I, I can't guess. Well, God? got from oh, the anyways, oh, we know that Lucy's in town, in uh, there, don't we? But we, we had to offer a, a bit of guidance, because also there's lots of prostitutes in Cannes, and there are lots of men who will tell you they can make you a big star and people fall into the trap. Oh, the only way is Essex is coming back, actually. Although it's exactly the same as last time. said, what have they been up to? I thought, well, nothing. A couple of appearances. Joey Essex is still as dim as a broom. The Fahir sisters still have that uh, bent stepfather of theirs who's just come out of prison. And uh, they've just been robbed, incidentally, as well. The Fahir sisters, their house has been robbed. And uh, that was in the paper the other day. Joey Essex, as says, still doesn't have a job. Arge is still as thick as a brick and fat as ever. Uh, Gemma Collins is still as big as a small whaling ship. Uh, who else is in the programme? Lucy Mecklen will, will still be crying. Mario Falcone, bit of a drip. And, uh, and then there's a couple of gay boys who probably haven't come out yet. And then there's a few spotty boys. And then there's Ricky Raymond. And then there's Bobby, the only gay in the village, who's the most unattractive gay in the village. And um, and the rest of it, I'm afraid, is just pants. So who else is in Cannes? Somebody from the anyways, Essex. Who, who can it possibly be? Chloe Sims is over there. Good Lord. What, are they using her as a fender on one of the boats or something? What on earth is Chloe Sims doing over there? I love the way they think. I think, I, I think we'll go to... Because she can't even speak. Have you ever heard people... When, whenever you see people, I have to tell you, in films, oh, they're talking like that, they're generally putting it on. You know, because they're actors. In the case of Chloe Sims, she really does speak like a three-year-old. She's a bit like Gemma Collins. You know, she really is as thick as you think they are. And that's how you wonder how they ever make anything of themselves. But mind you, I mean, it's, eventually the whole thing will be dumped. It's a bit like Peter Andre. You can make money out of rubbish. Oh, and another Saturday's baby. Another Saturday's baby. It won't help their career, which is dead in the water. 
Oh, yes, my debit card. Oh, yes, I knew there was something I'd forgotten. So my debit card. I thought, because I'd had a thing from PayPal saying your debit card's about to expire, you need to put the new number in. So I looked at it, so I thought, oh, dear, it's dreadful. So anyway, so I phoned up the uh, my, my private bank manager, uh, and... Um, and I said, listen, I haven't had my new, my new debit card. So she said, OK. So she phones me yesterday and she goes, Stephen, she said, can you get your debit card out? I said, yes. She said, um, are the last four numbers... Uh, 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 uh. And I said, yes. And she said, what's the expiry date? And I go, 0613. She said, you stupid boy. She said, that's next month. It's not this month, it's next month. We're in the fifth month. I went, are we? Tried to play it down. Tried to play it down, I'm afraid. <laughs> and so that was that. Somebody here says, not at all surprised that Paul Hollywood's a womaniser. His missus is well shot of him. Oh, she takes him for everything. I mean, you know, it's, it's nothing worse than silly old men who go on television, you know, married for donkeys. It's not up to us to decide it, but these people choose to play their lives out within the media. They milk the media for everything they can get. So when they get a bit of bad publicity... You kind of, you know, have to go with it as well, I'm afraid. They're trying to do damage limitation. They're trying to say, oh, you know, just in case his career suffers. But it didn't hurt former president of the United States. I did not have relations with that woman. Yes, you did. Didn't make any difference, though. He still coined it as he went around the world. You know, nobody seems to worry about people having relations. But don't, don't try and make it something it's not. You cheated on the wife. End of story. OK, let's not sort of go beating, up, beating ourselves up over it. Uh, where can I buy orange sorbet? Orange sorbet. Wow. Orange. I don't like orange sorbet. They used to have it in a restaurant we used to go to in Epping. And um, it used to come in at half an orange. They would put the, the sorbet in there and in half a lemon and it was frozen. But there's something nice about lemon I must get Michael to make some lemon sorbet. At the moment, I've just got the banana ice cream. Is Peter Andre really stupid? He gets lots of coverage in the papers, even though it's bad. Remember, all publicity is good publicity. I don't think so, in the light of Jimmy Savile and some of the other people. I don't think all publicity is good publicity at all. Used to be used like that, but uh, not anymore. Chris says, did you see the second part of Skint? I didn't, I'm afraid. You'd love it. Plenty of lowlifes. Listen, I see lowlifes all the time. I was talking to somebody the other day, actually. I was talking to a friend of mine. I I won't say what he does or where he works. He knows who he is, because we were talking about this the other day. And uh, some, uh, let's just call her... Let's just call her a chav, shall we? Tried to pick something up. Tried to steal something from it. You know, oi, give it back. And so she went, are you a traveller? I said, what a stupid question to ask her. Are you a traveller? So I, I said, what did you say? He said, no. He said, but I threatened her boyfriend and said, if she comes anywhere near the shop ever again, he said, we're going to fall out big time. You know, because you get people that thieve from other people. And uh, it's bad. Big 35 today, 21 plus VAT. No, 21 plus VAT would be 41. Because that's 20%. So, uh, please say happy birthday. Uh, I'm off work in a booked hotel to get some sleep and escape from my three-year-old, says CJ. Ross and uh, Ken are going to work at Gatwick. Don't be so ridiculous. Nobody works at Gatwick. A lot of people just just go on holiday, don't they? They go on holiday to Gatwick Airport. Um, uh, On the iPhone, there's an app called iCloud. If you turn it on, it saves your contact numbers. Yes, I've I've got it. In fact, actually, didn't we have a computer we gave away a short while ago which had cloud fitted into it, and so you could could then uh, make sure that you didn't lose all your numbers. This is for those people who don't back up their numbers on their phone. You must do it. Because without them, it'll just ruin your life, I'm afraid. Absolutely ruin your life. The Olympic 
which was the sister ship to the Titanic, suffered the same fate as the Ark Royal. In 1935, says John, she was decommissioned and sent to the breaker's yard after an exemplary 24-year service. Had the Olympics somehow been saved, today she'd be worth her weight in gold. I still think, you know, I tell you what I've always wanted to see. I would always want to see, after they brought up the Mary Rose, do you remember from the English Channel, and we were all terribly disappointed because it was a pile of timbers, I think people seriously thought we were going to see a Tudor warship rising from the depths, complete with the crew waving and going, hello, hello, we've come back. I would love to see the Titanic raised. It would never happen in a million years. But can you imagine if there was such a thing, and all of a sudden, all the world's ocean, somebody pulled the plug out, and it all went, and all went. And all of a sudden you go... Oh, my God, there's a city of Atlantis. Look, there's people. Hello, hello, people. And then, all of a sudden, they go, there's the Titanic. I'm surprised nobody's done a disaster movie where all the oceans vanish and then you see what's actually under the ocean. You know, and and it'll look the same as on top, just a reverse image, because it'll have all the mountains and everything, and it'll have water. And, um, and, oh, it'll be wonderful. Wonderful. And then... You could bring the Titanic... Imagine if you brought the Titanic up now. I know that somebody, a very famous filmmaker, made the film Raise the Titanic. It was such a big disaster. Somebody said it would have been cheaper to raise the Titanic than make this film. But wouldn't you love to see it? It's all of a sudden it comes up and they go, my God, the Titanic's up. I mean, that would... I know it's two miles down, but it just would be the most... the most amazing thing, wouldn't it, in the world? There's certain things that you'd want to see. That'd, that'd be one of them. That would be one. Raising the Titanic up. You know, raising anything, you know, out of the seabed, I think, would be worth worth watching. But we were so disappointed with the Mary Rose. Here comes the Mary Rose, here comes... Oh, it's some old Tudor timbers. It doesn't quite look the same, does it? And much smaller than I imagined. But as I say, I'm sure many of you really seriously thought that the, the Mary Rose would come up with a lot of Tudor sailors waving and going, Hello, we're back! We're back! We've been down there waiting for you to find us. And now you've found... You can go and see it. I still haven't seen it. I should go down, shouldn't I? What if they've made a DVD? As you know, if they make a DVD out of something, then I will buy it. There's just nowhere for me to put them anymore. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from Larry Lamb and Jane Milligan as they join me for In Conversation. But now, the latest news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen this Sunday morning. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with actor and now radio presenter Larry Lamb, who talks about being one of Britain's best-loved entertainers, and actress Jane Milligan, who's getting underway with rehearsals for Mamma Mia. But for now, we carry on with my best bits from the week. And this week, some huge news shook the world of reality TV. I was actually quite pleased with it. Thank God Dancing on Ice is going. That was, that was the kind of thing that cheered me up this morning. Although it's a bit like the JLS... Isn't it? It's a case of JLS are quitting uh, for another year. What? Not going. Not going straight away. Dancing on Ice is going a bit longer. I can't quite work out in my mind why they're axing it. It, it seems to be a fairly popular programme. It seems to have a, an audience. Um, they've had a bit of trouble with the panel because they keep shunting people around and they take people off and then put them back on again. To be honest, I'd be glad to see the back of Karen Barber on the television and a few other people. But they, they, I think what they did at the end, or what they appear to have been doing, is running out of celebrities. You know, you know that you've really scraped the bottom of the gutter when you manage to find Chloe Maidley. Claim to fame, she's got famous parents and that's it. She has no talent whatsoever. Oh, by the way, I'll do, do beg your pardon. She does have talent. She was done for drink driving and she's admitted to smoking pot. 
So there's her claim to fame. And that's about as good as it got, I'm afraid. A few other people. Uh, some people did quite well. Some people didn't do very well. And, you know, then they went on tour and it was lovely. And we treat Torville and Dean as if they're, they're gold. And they are. They are. They're gold. But not every blooming week. You know, it did get a bit tedious. Mind you, if, if nothing else, it's completely scuppered half of my act. Hi, you. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now that Christine Bleakley is, is, albeit, unemployed? I mean, that was about her only gig that was left, poor soul. So they're going to axe it, but they're going to axe it next year. So you've got another... You've got months... You've got another year to go. You know, you... I mean, it's just absolutely awful. Just absolutely awful. I mean, it really is. And and you think to yourself, all right, if, if you axe it brilliant. That's okay. I don't mind people, you know, axing a television programme. If, um, if you sort of end up with a programme that doesn't get an audience, I could understand it. And I cannot remember what the audience for the Dancing on Ice was. I don't know if it's tipped off that much. Uh, Torval and Dean are saying, oh, they want to go out on a high. Doesn't bother me they're axing it. Although, I'm surprised. I am genuinely surprised because I thought it was doing okay. It was light end. And to be honest with you, Philip Schofield is hardly ever on our televisions, and that was one of those rare occasions that he appeared as a presenter. And to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do now. I mean, that means he's practically limited to about seven other programmes. I mean, surely we can find Philip Schofield some more work. I would hate to think that he's going to disappear from our screens, you know, for about three seconds in the course of the year. Because uh, we need to get more work for Philip Schofield. More work. Um, it's my big campaign. But when you come up with the likes of Chloe Maidley you know, as a contestant, and she's nobody. She is a total nobody. You know, she doesn't do anything, she has no talent for doing anything, and and you think her only claim to fame is she's got famous parents. That's it, and that's why. Who's the female presenter? Who's the female... On Dancing on Ice. Who's the female presenter on Dancing on Ice? Is that what you've said? Who's the female presenter? I don't know, I'm facing the wrong way, I think, this morning. But, um... I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed. It'd be like the Maxing the Voice, although, to be honest with you, between you, me and the Gatehouse, that, uh, Gatehouse, that would be a good programme to axe because it's not, not particularly good. I'm not bothered. And these things cost a fortune. What I'm looking at on television is a programme that doesn't cost an awful lot of money and, and yet provides entertainment. And the one thing that we seem to like is, is quiz shows. We're OK with quiz shows. We, we can do quiz shows as long as they're not too complicated and too silly. You see, I would bring back... Um, play your cards right. I would. I would I would bring back play your cards right. Because it was a simple game. But it's got to be somebody like Bruce Forsyth. It cannot be, and I'm sorry to say, it cannot be anybody else. Bruce Forsyth made that game his own. The one thing that we learnt when we were at Channel 5, when they wanted to do a game show every day on Five's Company. And, and it came down to me and uh, Rodri and Nick Knowles and Paul... Because, th- for some reason, they didn't give the girls the game shows. I don't know why. I can't, I can't think of any logical reason. Well, but in, and the truth of the matter is, girls don't do game shows. You saw that disaster with Melanie Sykes, where she could barely string two words together, poor soul. And, you know, and, and other people have tried it. It doesn't work. Anne Robinson did it, but she played it as a dominatrix. So that's completely different. She's playing a part on the television, trying to look like a hooded bat, you know, and we try and work out how much surgery she's had this week. That was part of the fun of it, and the people were interesting, and she took the mickey out of them. That was good. But when you, it's, it's no good sticking some girly-girly 
You know, I can't do an, um, an Anne Robinson impression. I can't, no, seriously, I'm, I cannot do, I can only do Christine Bleakley. But now she's going to be dropped from Dancing on Ice. I mean, I don't know what in God's name we're going to, I mean, how can you weave her into a conversation? You can't. I mean, I can't think of any way of doing it. As I say, it's, I mean, if you put, I'm trying to think of some of the other celebrities in inverted commas, and I think it gives people false hope. There's a picture, actually, sadly, of Chloe Madeley in one of the papers today. She ain't a looker. Okay, let's not beat around the bush here. She's got a nose the size of Concord. She makes Barry Manilow look like he's a retiring hydrangea. And so, I don't know why I thought of that one. It's, uh, I mean, perhaps she, you know, Christine can stay at home. She went to football the other day. She went to see Chelsea play because she's worked out the Frank plays for Chelsea because she's been there a few times. So she's working out there must be some sort of connection. She's been wandering around all sorts of places. She's going, and she's been in Chelsea's ground a few times going, hiya, 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 hiya. And all of a sudden she's worked out he's on the pitch. I think she thought he did popcorn and hot dogs and stuff like that, and that's why, you know, he, he looks the way he did. I'll be glad when they get married, though, and end all the speculation about will they, won't they, will they get married, will they not get married, please get married, please get married. So I'm sure that you have a thought on on Dancing on Ice being axed, but, you know, the one thing that really does... Uh, I hate to say it's gonna it's going to make me sound mean, and I'm and I'm the first person to sort of big up anything that we do at the Olympics. I'm the first person to go, we did well, we got gold, we did... You know, I'm the first person to stand on a barrel and wave the flag for England, but I'm bloody well fed up with Torval and Dean and sodding Bolero. You know, it's very sweet. It's very sweet, you know, but not year in, year out. And here is Torval and Dean on Dancing on Ice, and they're going to be doing... They're going to be giving you their Bolero again. No! Do something else! We've seen it. It was donkeys years ago. He was married to a different woman. He's now with Karen Barber, which is lovely. She, of course, didn't get on with Jason Gardner, and that we found immensely exciting. We, all, we thrive on people's misery, don't we? The more unhappy they are on the television, the more it comes over. And I love Jason Gardner for doing that. I thought it was funny. It's like watching The Apprentice, which I was watching this morning, and trying to get to grips with how dumb these people are. You know, and, I mean, one of the women quite clearly very common, low rent, goes in and does a pitch to, I think it was Argos, and walks into the room and goes, hello, boys. Excuse me? Are you a businesswoman or some old tart who's pitched up with what was basically a box on wheels? It was a box on wheels, and, and, and we got rid of somebody on the programme. I can't remember who it was. They're all thoroughly nasty. The boys are just so gay, it's not true. I mean, honestly, is there a heterosexual man in The Apprentice? There's a lot of whoopsies pitching up, sitting in the back of the thing there, you know, eyebrows tinted and all this kind of stuff. And not one of them has got any business acumen at all. Most of it is just made up. They sit there and go, I am a leader. And they turn out not to be leaders. They sit there, and all they've done is they've just put a load of low-rent numpties in suits and tried to make them out as being, and I include everybody who's been on The Apprentice. You know, they're people of overinflated egos. Perhaps at some point their mummies and daddies said, you're really, really good. You're ugly, but you're good, OK? And so they stick them on The Apprentice, and they then try and make something of themselves. And to be honest with you, it's dreary. I've watched people lying over the years. This must be... And even Lord Sugar said the same. This must be the worst bunch of people we've ever had on there. Turns out one of the girls, I can't remember which one it is actually, uh, used to do sex parties. What in God's name is she doing on the television? It's, I mean, it's just, it's just cheap and tacky and horrible. It really is. It just, just makes my blood boil. And so that's why when they announced, you know, Dancing on Ice is finishing, I wasn't really that bothered either way. 
It's like when JLS said, we, we are going to quit. I'm not, it's not going to change my life. It's not going to change your life. You know, life goes on. If you're one of the people who are a fan of, uh, of JLS, yeah, JLS, 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 J- JLS, hey, JLS. And uh, I can't sing any of their songs at all. I wouldn't have, you know, I was, I was only good with blue because they kept ramming one for the money and a free ride or one love for the mother's pride, which I thought was great to try and weave in a bread company because then you get free loaves of bread for the rest of your life. You know, it was nice that Anthony Costa was the ugly one at the back who they didn't allow to sing or do anything. That was good. It was nice that Duncan is now so gay, he's kind of fallen off the gay radar at the end, and he's now so tattooed up and still still doing his, you know, would I go out with Rylan? No, I wouldn't. The answer, nobody would go out with Rylan. And then I was watching, and I don't know, on The Only Wears Essex, whether I'm watching a new one or an old one. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter, they're all interchangeable, but on this one, they're arguing again. The little not-gay one who's friends with very-gay Bobby, uh, the little one who, who went out briefly, although I don't think they did anything, thank God, because she could have killed him, uh, Gemma Collins went out with the slightly... And he's really angry on there. Then he had a row with somebody, and I thought he was going to come to fisticuffs, or perhaps he could have squeezed the other boy's spots. I don't know. We could have got down to something like that. And then Gemma Collins, who really wants to be friends with just about anybody, but at 31, she's so past her sell-by. There is not a lot more this woman can do. She's tried the diet. She's tried... I mean, she has tried to bed quite a number of members of cast, including Arge, who far from being the fun-loving boy you think he is, has actually been sending the most vile... T- it must be an old one. Vile text to poor old Lydia Dim. Bright. And so what he's, he's done is he's called her a slag. And, you know, he's, he's used words, which, to be honest with you, her mother read it and she said, he's out of order, he's wrong. And Arge tries to get away with it. When it, Next time you watch him, you realise what a nasty piece of work he is. He makes Spencer Matthews in the Made in Chelsea programme look like Mother Teresa. Well, you're right, actually. Not, not quite as bad as Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, who did a lot of good work in her lifetime. Spencer has done nothing in his lifetime. But when you watch Arge, you know, who thinks he's funny boy and all the rest of it, he's a nasty piece of work. He bullies women. And the stuff that he wrote to Lydia, frankly, I'm surprised somebody didn't take him outside and flatten him. You know, I wanted, you know, Lucy went up to him and tried to have some... You know what Lucy's like? She's, it's pointless asking her to do anything. She bursts into tears. You know, she's... She, and, and so she came back from telling him, he's a nasty piece of work. You know, really is, I'm afraid. Um, and so what's... What's sort of bad about these programmes is that I can't separate now, in my mind, which is the pretend bit where they give them a storyline and which is the bit where they say, is this real? And so, and that's why it's clever. But at the same time, Arge is not a pleasant person. If I saw him out anywhere, I would be throwing rotten eggs. He's that nasty. Something I'm quite passionate about, you could tell. Let's take a quick break. When we're back... I wonder how to get an invite to the Queen's infamous garden parties. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Last week, I spent a lot of time bemoaning the idiots on this year's The Apprentice. So it would be remiss of me not to give it at least one mention this week. So here it is. 
You have to laugh when you watch The Apprentice. The only thing that actually provides me with a decent laugh on the television nowadays is to watch The Deluded. And they managed to get rid of somebody the other day called Usma Yakub, um, who she said she didn't mind being fired from The Apprentice. Because, to be honest with you, she didn't have the faintest idea what was going on. I mean, she wasn't really in the real world. Uh, she said, but people com- compared me to a drag act. I don't know, it's quite a compliment, actually, dear, that you look like a bad drag act. I've never actually seen anybody with such bad fake hair and such bad makeup. In fact, most of the girls on The Apprentice, and the boys as well, seem to be sporting the most peculiar makeup. I can't quite work out whether or not they spend more time doing that. Certainly, n- nobody gets on with each other, but they all claim that they're wonderful. And uh, she says here, I think we could have conquered the makeup industry and given L'Oreal and Estee Lauder a run for their money. In your dreams, love. In your dreams. That's how deluded they are. Talking of deluded, I'm sorry to mention uh, the uh, fact this morning that Joey Essex, uh, this is the strange but stupid boy, the one whose brain cell appears to be elsewhere in his body, threatened to quit the show unless he got an enhanced deal. Bye-bye. Off you go. Goodbye. Um, Joey has become one of the biggest stars of The Only Wears Essex. He doesn't actually have a job, though, does he? He has a little clothing shop, which I believe he's not in most of the time. And, uh, and he's married, he's going to get engaged to Sam for Ears in Dubai at the end of the last series. That's what they did. She's the one, of course, with the stepfather who spends a lot of time residing at Her Majesty's pleasure. And uh, then they hoped they would get hitched. And uh, he says he wanted to get more money. And, uh, and they went, no. <laughs> Nobody's bigger than the show. You know, you want to start pushing it, matey. Off you go. And without the show, nothing. Nothing. He would disappear completely. He is a little bit too stupid. He can't help it. I think they'd be well suited. They're both as dim as planks, I'm afraid. And so uh, the sooner that happens, the better. In fact, I think that they should do that. The moment people start holding them to ransom, I think, on these programmes, we, uh, we then go, I'll tell you what, then, off you go. Because we've seen the other ones disappear without trace, haven't we? I mean, Amy Childs can barely get arrested at the moment. It's very embarrassing. And uh, then there's been a, a few other people, and they've disappeared. Because without the publicity machine... Nothing happens. Also in the paper today, trying to find some stories that uh, sort of lighten the load. It's not easy to lighten the load today. And, uh, and this is... Uh, oh, dear, no. Oh, yes, the, um, the British grandmother. You remember this one? We seem to have shunted her to one side, facing the death penalty. Uh, three leading judges have expressed great sympathy for her, but said a government decision not to pay for her lawyer was lawful. Given a Court of Appeal ruling, the Master of the Rolls, Lord Dyson, said the Foreign Office was not legally obliged to provide an adequate lawyer for Lindsay Sandiford. The 56-year-old knows she has been sentenced to death by firing squad after being convicted of drug smuggling in Bali. It's dragging on a bit, this one now, isn't it? I think she's got a... Somebody has paid for another lawyer for her, and they're hoping to find some, some sort of loophole which means that they can spare the uh, the death penalty. But as we said before, it's very unlikely to have been carried out because it's uh, they haven't carried out a death, death penalty for, for ages and ages. Uh, a lot of people uh, at the Queen's Garden Party the other day, at least they got some reasonable weather for it, and so they were. The Queen hosted her Buckingham Palace Garden Party for competitors and officials of the London 2012 Games. And the good and the great were there. That's uh, swimmer Rebecca Adlington, double bronze winner, joked that the party was almost the last hurrah for the Olympics. Well, I'm still hurrahing for the Olympics. I'm still a big fan of the Olympics. I'm still the person who's still waving the flag and sort of shouting from the rooftops how brilliant we are and how good we are at putting on these, uh, these kind of events. Very good indeed. There's also um, a former jockey, Philip Hyde, who's got compensation after a serious fall at Cheltenham uh, the appeal court said was foreseeable. 
they reversed a ruling that the 2006 incident could not reasonably have been guarded against by course owners, the Jockey Club. So he's managed to get £58,000 compensation. More pictures in the paper today of Sharon Stone. We were saying yesterday how fantastic Sharon Stone looked at the age of uh, 55. And uh, it's almost unrecognisable as Sharon Stone. She almost appears to have been able to, to turn the clock back and look absolutely stunning. Except I'm looking at her legs and I'm not sure whether or not in the... The picture in the Daily Mirror today is just a bad picture. Or, in fact, she's just got really bad knees. Because you never look at your knees. It's the only part of my body I never quite look at, actually. Perhaps I should spend more time looking at my knees. They say here she's uh, stone ageless. And she is absolutely. Uh, also, the picture of people climbing Everest. Bit of a, bit of a, bit of a meltdown going on there because they're so, they're so busy on Everest. There's now a queue there for people to get to the top. And, uh, as usual... We do love Penman and Summerlad, and uh, they expose crooks. They expose uh, all sorts of people who cheat you, the public. And so uh, that's, that's always worth a read. And statues commissioned by the Daily Mirror more than 50 years ago were sold at auction uh, for £300,000 after being found under a pile of rubbish at the Cray Twins' old school. And so they asked the question, did the Crays steal the lost mirror art treasure? If they did, they probably forgot about it, because it's been lying there for ages and ages and ages. And that's why it's, uh, it's so interesting, because they died years ago now. A builder, Brian McDowell, found these in an old garage at Bethnal Green Academy. Yesterday, they went for three times their estimate. He said, I saw these statues, and I don't even know what they are, to be honest with you. He said, they were in quite bad condition, but looked interesting. The school said I was welcome to take them, so I put them on the back of my van. When I got home, the wife said, I don't want those in the garden. They'll give the grandchildren nightmares. <laughs> so after cleaning them up, he spotted a name written on one of them, which is uh, Wu. contacted the Mirror and Bonhams after realising they were an important piece of art. But the mystery remains about how the art ended up at the school. One theory, which fits because uh, the gangsters Rennie and Roger were former pupils, is the statues were stolen, then hidden, because they were so big they were impossible to sell. But whatever the truth, they'd be given a new lease of life. £300,000. So whose are they, then? Are they the man who was given them by the school? Presumably, yes, in which case he's very happy. Got £300,000 worth. There's also uh, another nasty little person here. It's a groom locked up for looting the club where his wedding were held. Will become a dad in jail. Christopher Richards, a rather stupid person. Uh, Usher, George Taylor and two others stole booze, computers and DVDs worth 23000 They caused £24,000 worth of damage. Six months earlier, kind-hearted club boss Catherine Murphy gave him and partner Bridie Sparks a half-price champagne buffet as the couple were broke. Because they go on the rob, that's what they do, so they've got them caught on CCTV. I mean, how dumb do they have to be, these people? In a statement, she says, when I heard you'd done it, I burst into tears. It's shaken my belief. I, I agree, actually. I mean, you know, you don't expect somebody to rob you, do you? When you sort of offer them the hand of friendship and offer them, you know, sort of a cheap wedding. But there again, perhaps they are tea leaves. Perhaps all they do is thieve, which is, which is a great shame in this day and age, without thinking about the consequences. People now seem to have actions done, and then the consequences come later, and they go, oh, right. Uh, the Duchess of Cornwall and Kate, wearing elegant designs yesterday at the garden party. Lots of pictures there. Kate's bump became the talk of the event. I wonder how you get an invite. I mean, obviously, in this particular case, it was the, it was the Olympics. But how do you get an invite to the Queen's garden party? Do you have to do something nice? 
That's a, or, or just somebody picks you out and they go, we're going to invite Steve Allen. We'll, we'll let him, you know, turn up in top hat and tails. Because the women get to wear fantastic outfits. The men just look like penguins, which is a great shame. But very sad, says Joe, to hear about the death of Mick McManus. Also the actor Richard Thorpe. And uh, did you say somebody from Man United passed away? No, I don't think it was Man United. I, uh, wait a minute. I think it was... Um, uh, wait a minute. It was... Um, uh, Brian Greenhoff. Yes, he was Man United. And he was only 60. He passed away the other day, but he didn't seem to have made the papers. Don't know why. I think he, uh, he deserves it as much as, uh, as much as anybody. Uh, Jackie says, Mick McManus, one of the top stars. He headlined big shows against rival Jackie Pallow. In an era when millions watched the sport on television, the wrestler, who had a number of nicknames, including The Man You Love to Hate, made t- more TV appearances than any other wrestler in a career which spanned more than 20 years. He was 93! Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Wrestling was hugely popular, says Jackie, in the early 60s and late 70s, because sport had a regular 40-minute slot before the Saturday afternoon football results on ITV. As I can remember, I used to read out horse racing results on LBC and sport. I used to do a sport programme and have to read out the football results. Tranmere Rovers, three. Woolwich Arsenal, six. You know, and you'd have to read that in a way that, uh, that only I could... I actually quite like reading out sports results, actually. I thought I was particularly good at it. I didn't understand any of it, but I thought I was, I thought I was fairly good at it. Uh, Steve, oh dear, Dancing on Ice being axed. I'm sure that you, along with me, Steve, will be praying that Philip gets another job. Yes, but we're so... Hope- I mean, Philip Schofield's hardly ever used on television now, and I'm so hoping that ITV uh, will sort him out with something. I couldn't bear to think he's only got about seven jobs running on the television and things like that. Uh, I mentioned earlier on that... Uh, Light. I discovered this years ago. Light, apparently, from electronic devices, disrupts your sleep. And the one thing that is at the top of the list is your computer. Now, I don't know if your computer switch. My brother, for some reason, turns his computer off at night. And I've said, no, leave it. It'll go into a sleep mode. You know, my, my, my computer will have different things on it. And all of a sudden, it just goes into sleep if I've not used it for a while. So when I click on the mouse in the morning, it comes back to life. Here, we turn them off. Not physically turn them off, but we sort of keep them turned off. And so you have to log in because there's so many people using so many different computers. But uh, this is the thing that disrupts your sleep. And so, in other words, blue light from computers, smartphones and energy-efficient bulbs is contrib- contributing to an epidemic of sleeplessness. And I have spoken to people before. And in fact, it's, I don't know whether it's, it's just sort of in London, because it, you know, we've got lights all over the place. I mean, as I say, I've, I've been around Trafalgar Square and it's fairly dim at night. But uh, the light of street lamps, apparently, can keep you awake. Well, I don't have any trouble sleeping with a light. In fact, I have been to sleep with all the lights on before. I know this because I've fallen asleep in front of the television. And I never seem to worry about it. And I don't have any, any sort of... S- bad sleeping patterns at all. I'm, I'm actually quite quite lucky, unlike some people I know who suffer really badly and cannot get any sleep. But the, the trick is, don't drink alcohol. If you're overweight, you're going to find it difficult. If you smoke, you're going to find it difficult. If you eat before you go to bed, it's difficult. And if you don't go out and get some exercise during the daytime... Regarding Sharon Stone, says Patrick, have you ever seen the film Death Becomes Her with what I consider to be Bruce Willis's finest acting performance? Laugh out loud. He said, but that serum exists in real life and Sharon's probably taken it. Well, she looks amazing. She looks unrecognisable as Sharon Stone. Whether it's the new hairstyle or anything, I've got no idea. But whatever it is, she looks, uh, she looks pretty good on it. Pretty good on it. I hope to look that good when I reach my 50s. As you know, I'm only 38 plus that. Was it 37?
Anyway, those were my best bits from the week. I'll be back tomorrow morning live at four, so I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next time, in conversation with Larry Lamb and Jane Milligan, so make sure you stay tuned to that. But now we've got the latest news at six.